0: welcome to str unfiltered where we give you actionable episodes without the bull here is your host bill faith hey good morning everybody bill faith here welcome back to str unfiltered it's early why i'm doing this this early i have no idea i've just been on about a 34 35 hour road trip to montana and illinois looking at uh Really, boutique hotels, lodges, uh, multifamily properties. And so my voice is a little bit uh, a little bit raspy. I need some turmeric to get this going. But today I want to talk about preparing our financials. So I'm always in buying mode, so I kind of have to do this and have this ready to go at all times. But what happens is, is a lot of us are not ready when we decide to purchase a property. And then it makes it really challenging, one, to get closed on time. Two, you might not have prepared well enough, and it could impact your buying ability. So I want to walk through five things. There's five things that you need to focus on to make sure that you're ready to buy financially, and you need to start 45 days in advance. So take a couple of notes during this if you can. uh, If you're sitting down and, you know, uh, if you're driving, don't take notes. But if you're watching this on YouTube, then, you know, at home, sit down, take notes, start 45 days in advance. This stuff is absolutely critical. So when that perfect property does pop up, you are ready to go. And the first thing that you want to look at is going to be your credit score. And so for me, I use an app called Credit Karma. And every single day I am looking at my credit score because mine fluctuates. Here you go. So you can see there's mine, 772, 759. And what's interesting is I just, I, impossible for me to get over 800. I've never been able to do it. And I've got like absolutely no debt, like literally almost no debt. I have a property. That's not true. I have a, my. I was probably hovering around 8, 5, 8, $785 to 790 And then I bought my first property on a second home loan. And this is really one of the first mistakes that people make. They go in and, and especially if you guys are new and you're just getting started or you have one or two properties, even if you're a high income W-2 earner, don't go do everything on second home loans. That's what all the people are telling you to do in this industry. I I completely disagree because then you blow out your DTI right off the bat and you have no buying power. Then you're stuck with one type of loan. And that's a DSCR product that has higher interest rates, prepayment penalties, all the shit that goes along with it. You can't just walk in and get a commercial loan with, you know, 50%, 60% DTI because even though you're doing a commercial and you're going to do it in an LLC, you still have to PG that. That means you're still going to personally guarantee that. They're still going to pull your credit every six months. They're still going to look at your DTI. They're going to look at your debt to income ratio. You still personally have to be the one to be able to personally guarantee that and pay that back. They're not going to look at Air DNA revenue like a DSCR is. It's still on your DTI. We're going to get to that in, in just a second, but this all starts with your credit score. So the reason that i i there's also credit says me so i use credit karma there's credit says me i kind of hover around this but i literally went from 772 down to like 712 so i dip below that 725 because i'm spending a good 30 30 to 50,000 dollars a week on my credit card so i try to pay it off 2 to 3 times a week. And I, and I use three fundamental credit cards. I use an Amex platinum for like this business. It's almost all Amex platinum. I have a United card because now I'm flying United a lot to go to Montana and to the West coast as opposed to Southwest. And I use that for uh, certain properties. And then I have a Southwest card uh, that I really use for, for personal travel. So the Southwest card is here. I've got American express and I've got United. So I look at, I can pull up my Chase account at any given time uh, on my app and see exactly how much I owe. And if I see something that's on there that I owe, then I'm going to pay it off. So you can see right here, um, I just got back from a trip and I've got a $300 balance on my Southwest and a $4,200 balance on my Chase card. So I will pay this off as soon as we get done, just in case it pulls. Now, knowing when that credit card company is going to pull is something that's really important. It's never seems to be on the exact same day. That's what makes it a little bit challenging. So I know that my Southwest card usually pulls on the 13th or the 14th of every month. My Chase, the other Chase card, the United card, typically pulls on the 4th, 5th. Uh, so since 5th is Friday, and then you got the 6th and 7th on Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to make sure that that is completely paid off. And if I can, I'll prepay some pendings on Friday, just in case that thing pulls automatically over the weekend and something's sitting there. So that's really important because you can have these swings, especially if you're spending a lot on your credit cards. If you real, if you have credit card debt and you need to get your credit up, the easiest way is literally to go in and, and pay down your credit cards. Especially, I mean, if you if you're hovering around like that high six hundred, low seven hundreds and you need to get over seven twenty five, if you have twenty five thousand dollars in credit, one of the things if if you're carrying a three or four or five thousand dollar balance, it may seem small, but it's the percentage of your available credit, the percentage of your available credit that becomes super important. So I try to keep mine always below 1% so I can keep my credit score up and ready to buy. It's interesting if I showed you the the, the line of over like the last two years, um, I've had that one significant drop because I didn't pay on time and there was like, I don't know, $27,000 balance uh, that was on there and I literally dropped by like 55 to 60 points. I don't remember the exact number But it just stays right between like 772 and 790. Um, And it doesn't matter what I do. I can't push it over 800. And unless I have a lot of of, uh, credit card debt and I miss those payments on that date, then it'll drop down. Uh, But it's just really consistent right around 775, which is great for the banks because they want to see that consistency, right? That's something that becomes really important to them. As well, so managing that credit score is number one, and then and the reason we need to start 45 days in advance is because we can't just go make a credit card payment and poof that it's gonna you know change the next day. Even though they're they're pulling almost daily, it's something that really doesn't happen until the the credit card company goes back in. So it's gonna happen like once a month. That's why we need to plan at least 45 days in advance on your credit score. Number two is gonna be that debt to income ratio. That's something. Uh, Once again, that takes time. You can go pay stuff off if you're already in the loan process, but if you really want to be prepared in advance, you kind of want to try to hit that ahead of time. So one of the things with this, I have three pieces of bad debt. That's it. Everything, every, all the other debt that I have are on my real estate, my investment properties, but my wife's vehicle, my vehicle, I don't know if they're considered expensive these days. They are to us because we don't buy a lot of extravagant stuff, but my wife has a Tesla. It was about 75 grand. I've got a, a Ford Raptor, roughly about 100000 bucks, And then we own a boat uh, that we paid roughly hundred grand for. And so that's right around $275,000. We put 50% down on all three of those. Uh, but we did finance the rest of it, and we got tremendous interest rates. Probably should have put less money down, but I'm kind of uh, somewhere between that Robert Kiyosaki and Dave Ramsey. I, I don't like having debt, especially bad debt. But the key here... And this is where you want to take notes is my wife owns all those things. I do not. My name is not on it, not on the title. Uh, it's not on uh, the loan. That is all under my wife because I'm the one that's qualifying uh, for the properties. So splitting the debt. And if you're married and your spouse is not going to be the one that's qualifying for the properties, then you want them to consume as much of that debt as possible. So if he or she could qualify for a second home loan, if you're new, And the strategy is going to be that Bria is going to take the first house based on her debt to income ratio. And let's say she makes $100,000 a year and we can go buy a half, qualify for a half a million dollar property. And then Bill's going to take the rest. So there's a lot of strategy if you're a married couple and how you're going to divide that debt. And just make sure that you really understand where both of you are from a DTI standpoint, where both of you are from a credit standpoint, both of you are from a PFS standpoint, and then make those decisions. This is part of, like literally planning three deals in advance of building out our life plan. This is why it's so important. We can't just shotgun and go property to property. We're not going to be able to execute that. So that debt to income ratio is critical. And the other thing is really knowing what your percentage of debt to income is, because a lot of people think, oh, well, hey, if I'm at 35%, I can go buy and I make $300,000 a year, I can go buy a million dollar property. Well, you're going to finance 800,000 rates have increased. You really need to understand what that PITI is going to cost you Uh, or if you're doing an interest only, whatever that is, let's just say it's 5,000 bucks. Well, that could put you over the 40% ratio and the qualifications are going to be different for a commercial loan versus a Fannie and Freddie, a, a traditional second home vacation home mortgage. So you need to understand all of that and really manage these first two, the credit card and the debt to income ratio. This third thing, which really is number four, is what uh, most people don't really pay attention to. And most of you don't even have a personal financial statement. I want, when I walk into a bank, especially if it's a first time um, and I have no relationship with them, I want to blow their doors off. I want to have all my shit buttoned up and it's going to be pretty and it's going to be so easy for them to download that file or open that PDF and thumb through it or print it out, whatever they want to do, and say, man, you know what? I've never seen somebody deliver this to me and this fast. And a lot of people don't have a personal financial statement. So what happens is, is the bank will say, here, let me send you the stuff that I'm going to need. And then you have to go and you fill out their personal financial statement. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you want them to think that you've got your shit together, I want you to have everything ready to go for them ahead of time. So you let them know what your current credit score is. On the phone or in person, show them your credit card, uh, your credit, your TransUnion, whatever that is. Tell them that you know what your debt to income ratio is. Look, I'm I make X. Here's my debt. Here's what my DTI is currently. Here's what I'm looking to purchase. Hand them the contract. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a 30 year, 20 year at this interest rate. Da da da. And by the way, here's my personal financial statement. If you really want to get cheeky with it make sure you have three years tax returns, not two. Actually we'll go back to LeBron, not one, not two. We're talking about three, three years tax returns. They're probably going to ask you for two, but show them three. And specifically the most up-to-date year. Like if you made more money, like I did in 2022 than you did in 2021 and more in 2021 than I did in 2020, I'm going to show them the run rate. So they see that my earnings keep going up, right? All of that is packaged together and you deliver that immediately. So have that on your thumb drive. Have that saved into a Google Drive folder, a Dropbox folder. Oh, hey, Bob, hang on one second. Let me send this to you. What's your email address? You have that ready, Bill? Nobody's ever walked in here and had all that stuff ready. That's the first impression that goes along with having a PFS. Now, on your PFS, the other thing that you really need to understand, this goes back to your debt-to-income ratio, is understand that when you make an investment, and a lot of you right now have you know, filed an extension as I have on on the tax returns. So if you've done that and you've bought properties last year and you've added a hundred thousand dollars in rental income or fifty or twenty five or three hundred, whatever that number is, then you really need to understand that that is not going to count if you're walking into a bank today and you don't have your twenty twenty two tax return ready to go. So if you added that content, even the revenue, even previously, you have to understand that that additional rental income could trail by a year, possibly even two years based on when you've purchased and when you have implemented your taxes. So, if you're purchasing right now and you've got an extension, you can't bank on that and then you don't want to show that debt if they're not going to attach revenue to it on your PFS. So, you have to if you're buying through a second second home or a traditional Fannie Freddie is and you're personally on that loan, but if that's in an LLC, then you may not want to show that on your PFS because you could have a a line item of half a million or a million dollars in debt, but you have no income associated with that. And that's going to absolutely tank uh, your DTI. So we talked about that bad debt and how me and my wife separate that bad debt, why I don't own uh, any of the bad debt. Those are the things that you want to look at. You start 45 days in advance, focus on your credit score, your debt to income ratio, your personal financial statement, and that bad debt. And if you can nail all of that and you have everything ready to go, this is a critical part. This is why I want you to prepare. So you have everything ready to go, boom, saved on your phone. Even if you're going to walk into a bank, have it in the manila folder and just hand it to them and give them the electronic copy because that first impression is going to do everything. Remember, that's the sales rep. In most cases, that person is not making the decision. That person is going to become your sales rep. So hopefully this has uh, been valuable for you. Uh, I've got something new that I'm doing every Sunday. If you guys have not uh, seen this, if you want to join the Superhost Sundays, it's every Sunday morning. Just text SUPERHOST SUNDAY, all one word, to 844-764-2132. That's text SUPERHOST SUNDAY to 844-764-2132. And that's something special that I'm doing every Sunday morning that you won't want to miss. Thank you for joining me on this episode of STR Unfiltered. I'll see you guys next time. Happy hosting, everybody. Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.